Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from the Rogers Center in Canada, Toronto, Canada. It's the Cleveland Guardians 8, the Toronto Blue Jays nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And man, did I enjoy watching our Guardians play last night. Now, I made a joke on Twitter that I feel bad for uh, those Clevelanders that decided to watch preseason football instead of watching our Cleveland Guardians because they put on a show in Toronto. And yeah, I got some comments back. You know, why can't we watch both? And yes, you can. There's been plenty of times where I've had one on the TV, one on the computer, one on the phone. Like, I, I get it. I get it. Frankly, not going to lie with you, uh, I've had a harder and harder time watching NFL football and watching even Browns games. And I mean, I'm diehard for all our Cleveland sports, but I'm sure you see me a lot over the winter on Twitter talking up Cavs stuff. But uh, yeah, I just, it's harder and harder to watch football. It just really is. It's a grind to get through a football game and a baseball game yeah, it can get boring at times. I mean, there's no doubt baseball games can get really boring in the middle of the game sometimes. I told you I couldn't even listen to it on the radio driving home the other night. But it moves better than a football game does, I think. There's there's a battle going on between the pitcher and the hitter if you're actually locked in and following the game. Whereas in football, you have we're reviewing everything and, you know, uh, there's so many injuries. There's so many penalties. There's everything. There's just everything halts the momentum in a football game, and you just don't really have that in a baseball game. We are getting a little heavy-handed with the replay. Um, I mean, right away in the first inning, we're already overturning a call on the pickoff of Jose Ramirez. But a baseball game moves, and you just you don't see guys dropping like flies like you do in football. We lost our starting center in like the first series of this preseason game. And it's just, where's the fun in that? Where's the fun when your star players are just going down constantly? Um, So, yeah. So, uh, (laughs) I did take a little bit of heat on Twitter last night for that comment, but I think everybody understood, you know, my follow-up comment. I think everybody understood what I was talking about. Um, Yeah, I just, man, I I enjoy baseball. I really do. Uh, And it doesn't, like, ruin your whole day. I mean, a football game on a Sunday could just, it eats your entire Sunday away. A baseball game, you put it on on a Tuesday night, it's not affecting your day. It's not affecting your week. It's just there at night. Um, So, yeah, I I enjoy that schedule a little bit better. Well, we do have some day baseball today. Uh, We do have some baseball today and tomorrow up in Toronto. A 3 o'clock game, which is weird. So yeah, it will eat into the weekend a little bit, but it's the kind of thing that can be on in the background no matter what you're doing. So yeah, let's get into the storylines of this game. That is enough of me waxing poetically about the differences between football and baseball. Uh, Let's get into this one. And man, I mean, what a game. The offense came to play. We talked about how going up to Toronto, you were stepping it up a level. Going from Detroit to Toronto, you were going from one of the worst teams in the league to one of the best in the league. What would this Guardians team look like? A team that looked like their offense 
was going to explode against Detroit and then kind of dried up in all of those games. Well, it finally explodes against the Toronto Blue Jays and old frenemy Jose Barrios, you know, someone who we battled for a long time in the American League Central. Now he's with the Blue Jays. We'll be lucky to see him once or twice a season. And yeah, we have, in fact, we've been having a really good season against him. Uh, now, Barrios usually is a pretty good pitcher against us. He's up and all right against us. He's now, I think this is updated from last night on baseball reference. He's 5-5 five and five in his career against Cleveland. He's got a 473 ERA, so not a sparkling ERA in 17 starts, but a decent whip, a 1.189 whip, 8 strikeouts per 9. Eh, he's better against other teams. A 2.59 strikeout-to-walk ratio is, is all right. He's better against other teams. So he's been all right against us in his career. Not this season, though. This season, which he's having, again, an all right season. Uh, he is 8-5 on the season. What is he overall on the season? Yeah, 8-5 in 23 starts with a 5-6-1 ERA. Ooh, that is a high ERA to be 8-5. Uh, I guess when you have an offense like Toronto has... You can get away with some of those. But his first start against us on May 5th in Cleveland did not go well. He takes the loss. He lasts four and two-thirds innings, gives up eight hits, six runs, including a home run, no strikeouts in that game for a guy who's used to striking out some people. Uh, so he takes the loss in that one. Uh, and then this game would not be too nice to him either. Uh, his line in this one, he only lasts four innings, gives up eight hits again, this time eight runs, Two walks, he does get one strikeout, but he gives up two home runs in this one. He's hard hit six times. And this Guardians offense just unloaded against him. Uh, so uh, let's go through the offense, and then we'll flip over to the other side of the ball. And it all starts in this third inning, and third and fourth innings. And weirdly, Austin Hedges gets the rally started. Gets both rallies started. He does it in a very Austin Hedgey way. Uh, gets hit by a pitch in the um, third inning with one out to kick that off, and then draws a walk in the fourth inning to kick off that rally. Now, he uh, Benson would hit into a fielder's choice behind him in the fourth, so he wouldn't come across the score, but he does in this third inning. He, he leads the rally in this third inning. So Benson would single behind him, another base hit. First off, the lineup. Can we talk about this lineup? Oh, my God, he did it. Francona figured out a way to put together a really fun lineup with all three right fielders in there. This is what we wanted to see when Owen Miller was getting all those at-bats. This is the lineup. Quan in left. Uh, you got Benson hitting ninth in center field. You've got uh, Gonzalez in right field. You've got Nolan Jones at the DH. This is what I'm talking about. Naylor at first base. Jimenez at second. This is what I'm talking about. This lineup, I mean, this was exciting to see that Francona was able to put this lineup down on paper. He didn't feel like he had to start Miller somewhere. Uh, yeah, this is what we want to see more of. And we'll talk at the end about the chemistry of these guys. But uh, yeah, you could really feel it out there. This lineup was ready to cook tonight. And uh, they did. They absolutely did. So Benson singles. Quan, um, you know, flipping the lineup over to the top of the lineup. Both of these rallies do that, by the way. Both of these rallies go from the bottom up to the top where the runs are driven in. So Quan drops down the bunt of all bunts. 
that sticks between the foul line and the grass in third base and somehow does not roll foul. It goes all the way down to the bag. The Blue Jays guys are waiting for it. Chapman is waiting for the third base to go foul so he can touch it. And instead, it makes contact with the bag right on the chalk. Uh, it's, man, it's just, that's a one hell of a bunt. Uh, you know, the guys on the TV broadcast were definitely joking that Quan's just in a, in a zone right now. The baseball gods are smiling on Quan uh, to get a bunt to not roll foul like that. So he's on. Uh, and then Ahmed Rosario comes up with the bases loaded, takes a low pitch, takes an, a really low pitch, but lines at 101.8 miles per hour back up the middle, and it brings in two runs to score. Let's go to this matchup really quick. I'm just curious what this pitch was that he hit here in the third inning. Uh, Ahmed Rosario gets... Hang on, it's loading. So this is interesting. After starting him out with two called strikes on fastballs right in the zone, kind of down the middle of the plate, he stays very north and south in this at-bat, down the middle of the plate. But the two-seamer, the four-seamer, he gets called strikes on, then drops a curveball down in the dirt, and then comes back with another curveball just below the knees but middle of the plate. And I guess Ahmed Rosario was just ready for it. He had seen four pitches, uh, you know, down the middle there. Uh, the first one was at the belt. The other three were down at the knees. And I guess he was finally ready to swing at one and shoots this thing back up the middle. I mean, definitely knew what was coming and rocketed it at 101.8 miles per hour. It's always interesting when you see the side angle on these replays because the, from the from the pitcher's camera, you know, the one over the pitcher's shoulder, it doesn't look like he gets much of this line drive back up the middle. But when you see that side view, you really see that, man. You know, he barrels this thing up. He really squares this thing up, even though it's below his knees. And 101.8 is a heck of an exit velocity back up the middle. Quan's able to go first to third. The throw comes into third, which allows Armand Rosario to move up to second base. That brings up uh, Ramirez, and we were talking about how Ramirez was struggling in Detroit, right? You asked me, now I'm flip-flopping all over the place on this. You asked me, do I think the thumb's bothering him? I said, eh, maybe not. Maybe he's just trying to do too much. Then he pops up three times in a row in Detroit, and I think, okay, maybe something is wrong. And then he has a game like this. He delivers a, a nice flare out into center field. He knows how to get that runner home from third. He knows the job. That's why we love Jose Ramirez. He knows the job that has to get done. And a sack fly to center field brings in Quan to score. And that would bring up Josh Naylor. And what the heck, let's just add on to this rally. It's already 3-0. And Naylor absolutely first pitch destroys a fastball up and away. It's a four-seam fastball. Hits it 98.7. Out to left field goes Oppo for this home run in his home country. Uh, Naylor with a huge home run. The dugout is lit up for him. Uh, they're so happy for him. And he doesn't, he does not go opposite field very often. This is rare. This is a rarity. But I guess if Barrios in his first at bat was pitching him away, so maybe he was just looking away. The first pitch was a two seamer way off the plate, but it was a two seam fastball away, was how he started him in that first at bat. And then uh, a changeup away, um, he would eventually, uh, that's right, in this at bat, um, 
uh, Jose Ramirez would get picked off at first base. So that's how this at-bat ends. So he's almost like he's faced him three times. In the next at-bat, he starts him with a fastball away, but down at the knees. Uh, the two-seam fastball down and away. Uh, he would eventually strike him out in this at-bat on a curveball in at, at the knees. So he's at the knees the entire at-bat. So I don't think Naylor expected a pitch up like this. Uh, he was definitely expecting a first pitch fastball. He had got the two-seam fastball the last two at-bats. This time he gets the four-seam fastball up and away, and he is on it. I mean, he is on it. He was ready for it. So I don't know. He pitched him down the last at-bat, but he was ready for something up and hittable in this at-bat. Uh, and he absolutely delivers a huge two-run home run here. Uh, against Barrios, and man, Barrios has to just be this third inning. It's got to be like, what? What happened? What the heck? This Guardians offense unloads on him. And then they turn around in the fourth inning, and they just run it back one more time. Well, the third inning didn't exactly end there. Uh, Jimenez is hit by the pitch again. Two batters hit in the inning. Oscar Gonzalez with a 112.7 mile per hour single. Unfortunately, Jones would ground out to end the threat, but it does set Hedges up to lead off the fourth inning with a walk. Benson would hit into a force out. Quan would draw a walk. Great job by Quan on base twice at the top of the lineup. And guess what scores? Two runs. You love seeing that. After an Ahmed Rosario lineup, it brings up Jose Ramirez. Now, listen, this this is incredible. I mean, Jose Ramirez, uh, I got the video clips to prove it. Uh, yesterday against Detroit, he lunged at a low changeup and fouled it off. Uh, or not fouled off, popped it up. Popped it up. One of his pop-ups was lunging at a low changeup uh, and just skied it in the air, just trying to protect. Well, it's almost the exact same pitch in this fourth inning. It's it's a very similar swing. It's kind of a protect swing. He's down in the count one and two, and he gets a changeup that, frankly, it's down at the knees, below the knees. It's down at the shins, and he goes down and gets the barrel head on it. And uh, sometimes they, uh, sometimes in little league, you'll hear a coach say, "Let the bat do the work." Right, you're overswinging. You're trying to hit it to the moon. Just put a nice, easy swing. Let the bat do the work. You know the same thing in golf. Let the club do the work. You're trying to kill the ball. Just square it up. The, the it's designed. The physics of it is designed to make some nice contact. And that's exactly what Ramirez does in this fourth inning. I, there's no way Barrios looks at this tape and goes, "How did this guy hit a home run on me?" How in the world did he hit a home run on this pitch? It is slightly down the middle, uh, but it's below the knees. And he goes down, drops the barrel head of the bat on it, hits it 98.6 mile per hour exit velocity, so it must have been right in the center of the bat, and uh, puts it out for a three-run home run, his 22nd home run on the season, just racking up those RBIs. Uh, it's a beautiful thing for Jose Ramirez. Uh, I guess I guess maybe he's doing better than we thought. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this, Jose Ramirez. When he's popping up every at-bat, yeah, we are concerned about him. But he really delivered in this game a big three-run home run that made this a no-doubt-about-it baseball game. So absolutely awesome stuff from the, uh, from the offense. I mean, Hedges getting the rally started. Quan with that perfect bunt. Ramirez getting those RBIs, four RBIs on the game for Jose Ramirez. 
Naylor getting the big home run in his home country. He had two hits on the game. Multi-hit game for Jose Ramirez, by the way. He had three hits on the game, including legging out uh, you know, an infield hit late in the game. Uh, multi-hit game for Josh Naylor, including the two RBIs on the home run. Multi-hit game for Oscar Gonzalez. Three-hit game eventually for Nolan Jones. He waits until the rallies are done before he starts hitting, but a three-hit game for Nolan Jones in the seventh spot DHing. Uh, Hedges finds a way to get on base twice and contribute, even though he's the only person in the lineup without a hit. And Benson, uh, you know, scores two runs from the ninth spot in the lineup. One of them, yeah, was on a fielder's choice that he gets on, but a hit in a fielder's choice, and he comes around to score twice. So that's big stuff from the young guy, Will Benson. So really, this offense was just cooking all game. And the thing you need when the when you're going against Toronto, though, you could get into a slugfest against Toronto. This team can hit. I mean, this team can put up some home runs. They can really play this game if they want to. But Quantrill absolutely shut them down playing in his home country. That's right. Both the Canadian boys, Naylor and Quantrill, playing in their home countries. And he was... Quantrill has struggled on the road. We looked at the splits a few days ago, and he has struggled on the road. But he absolutely came to play uh, in this one. Let me see if I get the road splits here. So at home, remember, he's 6-0 and with a 3.16 ERA. On the road, he's now 3-5 and with a 4.34 ERA. So it's a big difference. The whip at home is 1.08. The whip on the road is 1.41. Well, I'll tell you, that number is definitely improved after last night's game because he is nearly unhittable. The guy on a 20-game hit streak is the only one that gets a hit off him. Vladimir Guerrero shoots one down the right field line on an outside fastball for a double to keep his hit streak alive. But other than that, Quantrill is just setting him down. Seven innings pitched, one hit, no runs, no walks, seven strikeouts on 98 pitches. He only gives up five hard-hit balls. And seven strikeouts ties his season high. Uh, four strikeouts in the game. Quantrill is not usually a big strikeout guy, but he was doing it kind of with all his pitches. I mean, he was hammering the strike zone with the two-seamer and the cutter. I really liked the movement on that two-seamer yesterday. The, the changeup and the curveball were both down when he went to them. Uh, his strike, uh, in 98 pitches, he threw 64 strikes. So getting close to a 70% strike rate there. Uh, going to his player, oh, actually the strikeouts. I was going to tell you about the strikeouts. Um, he kind of got a little bit of everything. He got um, some guys chasing a cutter down, a curveball down, a changeup down below the knees. He got Kirk to chase off-speed pitches twice down there. Uh, the curveball and the changeup were both Kirk. Then he got some guys with the sinker up. Um, he blew away Kevin Biggio. He uh, got Tescar Hernandez with a called strike on a sinker that, frankly, ooh, was off the plate. And then he got Jackie Bradley Jr., who, uh, that's right, they DFA'd him in Boston. Toronto picked him up. They've been searching for outfield help all season. Remember, this is the team that traded us for Bradley Zimmer, uh, who does get in late in this game for a pinch hit uh, opportunity. But he blows away Jackie Bradley Jr. with two sinkers in the same location, just right of the middle of the plate. Uh, you know, right at the belly, uh, just blows him away with two sinkers kind of down the middle, one on a 3-2 count, one on a 2-2 count, 
and just attacks him with that sinker. So that's all seven of his strikeouts, four on the two-seamer, and then some stuff down below the knees. He threw that sinker 43 times, that sinker two-seamer 43 times, had a 35% CSW on it, 10 called strikes, five whiffs. Uh, They fouled it off 12 times too, which definitely helps you get to those strikeouts. They only put it in play six times with an average exit velocity of 859 Uh, The cuttery threw 39 times, not as great CSW on it. They did put that in play a little more. Uh, They had a better average exit velocity against that, 94.5. And then the curveball, the changeup, and the forcing fastball he used very sparingly, uh, but they didn't put any of those in play. So it's a whiff rate of 26%. It's a CSW of 31% total on the day, which is pretty good for Cal Quantrill. Remember, he is not a high strikeout guy. Uh, So just absolutely fantastic stuff. Just really, really attacking, like a bulldog attacking these hitters in the strike zone. Like I said, that two-seamer and that cutter were absolutely pounding that strike zone. Absolutely attacking and pitching to all four quadrants. Really pitching to all four quadrants. There's a little bit of a slant here. You could probably, uh, if you were to graph this, you know, you would get an average line going from uh, high up on the arm side to down low on the glove side. It's a pattern we see a lot more with left-handed pitchers. There is a little bit of a pattern to it here. Uh, but he is able, I, I would say he is pretty effective in getting close to all four quadrants of the strike zone here, especially with that curveball and that changeup working the down and in quadrant or the arm side down quadrant. Uh, and then getting close to that, didn't throw many up and away, uh, but definitely uh, a middle away uh, pounding that quadrant if we were to break it into nine boxes instead of four boxes. So a really aggressive start from Cal Quantrill. Uh, and then, you know, he hit he hit 96 pitches, so why not? Or 98 pitches, so I think seven innings was good, especially with an 8-0 lead. Francona felt that way. He goes to the bullpen. Eli Morgan, it's nice to see him have an inning where he kind of gets to settle down. Uh, gives up a hit, but also gets a strikeout. Nothing, given, nothing else given up, no runs. And then Sandlin comes in, does give up a hit, but gets a double play to get out of it and end things. So it's nice to see Eli Morgan and Sandlin come in, have nice, quiet innings. Uh, there are good, we, we know there are good relievers in both Morgan and Sandlin, but uh, there have definitely been spells of the season, and Morgan's going through it right now, where uh, he has been hit around pretty hard. So it's nice to see him come in and have a nice, quiet inning. He didn't throw the changeup much. Uh, the changeup, which he's really been relying on a lot, he went more fastball slider in this one. 11 fastballs, 8 sliders, only 4 changeups. So maybe giving the changeup a little bit of a break here. Uh, Sandlin actually missed in 4 pitches. He threw a splitter in this one. I don't know if we've seen a splitter from Sandlin. So maybe in his time down at AAA and working in the bullpen, he's decided he needed to add another pitch to the mix uh, to keep guys off of him. Actually, this is interesting. Let's go over to Sandlin's StatCast page, and let's seriously, let's see how many of these splitters, have we just not been paying attention? Uh, Has he been throwing this splitter all season, and we just haven't been paying attention? Or is this something really that's come on recently here? So looking at his overall pitches, uh, yeah, I guess he threw a split finger last year too, 13 times. 
He's thrown the split thir- split finger 34 times. Um, all to almost all to left-handed pitching. He's only thrown one over two seasons, only one to a right-handed batter. Uh, so this is a pitch he uses against lefties. Uh, so that yeah, it'll be interesting to see. It's definitely increased in usage from 2.2% of the time to 6.7% of the time. So we'll see. Maybe by the end of the season, this gets up to 10% of the time. And it's a really effective pitch. No one's hit it so far this season. It's got a zero batting average. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if this is something he continues to use against lefties. Because obviously with a side armor up there, a right-handed side armor, they're going to try to pinch hit some lefties against him. So if this is an effective pitch for him against left-handed hitters, then all right, let's see more of it. Let's see more of this split finger. So yeah, it's a fantastic baseball game. A great night for the Canadian natives in Naylor and Quantrill. And uh, another rough start for Barrios against the Cleveland Guardians. So I think that's all my thoughts on this one. I just want to add in that the post-game, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but just watch the post-game hugs, the post-game high fives, right? The center, the outfielders all get together. And man, the look on their faces, the fact that Quan, Benson, and Gonzalez are all out there together. They just had this look on this face like, we guys, we made it. We made it. The guys... You know, that toured around on buses in the minor leagues. And, right, we we came up together. And we battled together in the minors. And we all said to each other, one day we'd be out here there on the major league field together. We'd do it together. They are. They are doing it together. Now, I am someone who definitely wanted some help at the trade deadline, okay? I, I'm not saying that what they did at the trade deadline is right. I think it was wrong. I think you could have helped this team a lot. By getting some getting some help in the catching position and getting some help in the bullpen. A setup man, maybe even another starter. We'll see how Plisak and Savali finish out the season. But uh, the chemistry, you cannot deny that this team has an actual core. They have a core. Other teams are bought and paid for. Now, other teams are having success that way. I mean, the Mets are having success that way. The Padres are having success that way. But this team, and at least in the American League Central... This core, right? The Twins tried to buy their way back into contention this year, and it's been working a little bit, but this core right here, it's just something special about Quan and Benson and Gonzalez and Jones and Freeman and, you know, that these guys, these rookies that have all kind of come up together are really getting this opportunity now you know, collectively as a unit. I mean, yes, Jose Ramirez, there was a stupid article on uh, Bleacher Report about who's going to be the face of the team in three years. And uh, clearly they did not think about it very long. They're like, Jose Ramirez, they signed him long-term. All right, he's the face of the team. Hey, he might be. For, in three years from now, he might still be the face of the team. Uh, but they're like, yeah, you got these young guys. And they just looked at our, they literally looked at the top prospect list. And they're like, uh, sure, uh, it's going to be... Uh, George Valera and maybe uh, Espino and maybe Gavin Williams. I'm like, no, you just looked at the top prospects. You didn't look who's actually on the team. Because the core, I mean, the face of this team could really be these young guys right now. Uh, Yes, Naylor and Ahmed Rosario and Ramirez and uh, even Andres Jimenez and uh, Austin Hedges kind of represent the group that's been here, the group that's been here for two seasons. Uh, but this young core coming behind them, 
I mean, it really has the makings of those 90s Indians teams that came up together, right? Lofton and uh, Ramirez and Tomy and Alomar, those guys, Bayerga, those guys came up together. Ramirez was a little bit later, younger than those guys, but they came up together and became something. Bell even a little bit. Uh, they came up together and became something. So it's really exciting to see those guys all hug and be excited out there in the outfield doing it together. I just thought that was a, it's just a great moment. It's a great look on their faces. Uh, man, Benson is just grinning ear to ear being out there with Gonzalez and Quan. So I love it. I love the chemistry on this team. Uh, and I mean, the fact that they go up here and just do this to Toronto, uh, we weren't sure. I mean, there were people on Twitter that was like, man, if we could salvage one game in Toronto, I bet they feel silly right now uh, that we just absolutely handed it to the Blue Jays. So, like I said, we got some day baseball. Uh, it's going to be uh, M. White. I do not know who M. White is uh, going up against McKenzie for this 3 o'clock start. Mitch White uh, going up uh, for the Blue Jays against McKenzie. He is a righty. So I don't expect him to mess with his lineup too much. Uh, he pitched for two seasons with the Dodgers and then came to Toronto uh, this season. Actually pitched three seasons with the Dodgers and then came to Toronto this season. Uh, so uh, we will see. Uh, he was traded. Uh, okay. He was traded in on August 2nd, uh, right at the deadline. A small trade. He comes over. Uh, the Blue Jays send some relievers, maybe, uh, Frazio and Brito, to uh, the B Dodgers. And the Dodgers send over Mitch White and second baseman Alex DeJesus. Uh, so, yeah, okay. They made a little trade with the Dodgers, I guess. And uh, so we'll see what Mitch White does. Is this his, like, first start uh, for... No, this would be his second start for the Blue Jays. Um, so we'll see what we get here. Um Obviously, someone that we probably have never faced before. So, uh, yeah, he's a right-handed pitcher. So, I expect to see a lot of these lefties stay in this lineup. Don't mess with this too much, Francona. You don't need to get Miller at bats here. Stay with these young guys and let them run a little bit. Let them have some fun up here in Toronto. All right, MVP on the day. Man, I mean, when the offense unloads for eight runs, it's kind of hard not to give it to an offensive player. Quantrill was absolutely fantastic, though. I mean, just a masterful start from Cal Quantrill, especially on the road. So I'm giving it to him, the, Can the Canada native. I'm giving him MVP on the day. Again, seven innings pitch, only one hit given up. No runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. It's a beautiful thing. So Quantrill is taken home. MVP on the day. All right, that is all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Toronto. It's the Guardians 8, the Blue Jays nothing. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Let me know your, if you have any thoughts on what I was saying at the beginning of the show about watching the NFL product versus watching baseball. You know, if you want to jump in on that conversation, let me know. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>